Your business is an asset that can support a thriving life. I believe this, and I'm committed to making this a reality for every entrepreneur and business owner who listens to this podcast. The Women Thriving in Business podcast was created with you in mind. Whether you're thinking about entrepreneurship or you've been in business for a while, this show has inspiration, information, and advice that you can use to thrive in business. Women Thriving in Business features candid and unscripted conversations with entrepreneurs, business experts, authors, and academics who can contribute to your business success. I talk with leaders who have built thriving organizations and who are willing to share both the positive and challenging realities of the entrepreneurial journey. My name is Nikki Rogers. I am a transformation strategist and the host of the Women Thriving in Business podcast. I work with women leaders to develop the mindset, strategies, and relationships necessary to thrive in business. Join me and your fellow thrivers each week on this journey of discovery and success. Welcome thrivers to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. My guest today is Maggie Karshner, who is a self-employment coach. So welcome, Maggie, to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk with you today about all things self-employment. This is my favorite topic. So I am excited to hear all about what you do in this arena. So Maggie, just to start us off, tell us about your business and then how you got started on your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, totally. So like you said, I'm a self-employment coach. I help people launch their own self-employed businesses. I work with a lot of creative people, people who are passionate about what they do, but maybe they don't know the business side of stuff. How do I get clients? How do I get a business license? All those sorts of random questions that come up. And so I support them through one-on-one and group coaching in doing that. I got into this work. I, I really think it's a story of trial and error at the end of the day. I was trying to live my purpose and I was, you know, sort of Goldilocksing through different jobs, being like, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. And I got to sort of the holy grail of jobs. I was doing management consulting and I was like, this is it. This is the thing. It's so good. And then, you know, I was in it, I think it was precisely three months. And I was like, I don't want to keep doing this. This is obnoxious because I realized it was the right type of work, the wrong scale. Large companies take a while to change course and make any kind of change really. So I was like, I need somebody, I need smaller organizations. I need more agile organizations. And that's when I decided to launch my own coaching practice. I was like, yeah, I want to work with individual business owners and support them in achieving their dreams. Great. I love it. So what was it about well, I love this idea of Goldilocksing your way through life, right? So I really, I really like that concept, that terminology. And as you were working through the different experiences that you may have had and then getting to management consulting, what really drove you to say, okay, I want a different scale, but also I want to actually do this in business for myself. So what was it that kind of like, whether it gave you the confidence or just kind of pushed you in that direction of saying, I want to go do this on my own? Yeah. And I I feel like as a self-employment coach, I, I probably shouldn't admit it, but like, I really was kind of pushed by the universe into it. 
I was like, you know, sort of thinking it through. I was like, okay, so I want a job as basically a self-employment coach, like a consultant to self-employed people. Is there a job title with that? No. Why would anyone take advice from somebody who is not also themselves self-employed? Oh, so I have to go be self-employed. Well, all right. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I brought a lot of experience to the table already. I already owned a business. I, I have a long history of business management and like, I was raised by my mom who is an MBA and, you know, she taught me a whole bunch of stuff from my youth, like selling Girl Scout cookies, you know, <laughs> sales strategies and stuff. So I had a lot of skills and resources I could bring to the table, but I hadn't actually thought, you know, and then someday I'll launch my business. It was the other way around. This is the thing I really want to do. And the format that makes the most sense is to be self-employed. Right, right. Great, great. Now, you mentioned that you had owned a business previously. So again, talk to us about how you got into that initially Mm -hmm. and how you evolved, because I think there's the sexy part of being like a serial entrepreneur, right? That most people actually don't do that. Like they start a business, then they kind of feel like I have to stick with this. So kind of talk to us about transitioning. Like you had a business, you transitioned to maybe going back into the workplace and then coming back out to entrepreneurship. So talk to us about some of those decisions that you made or some of the, you know, how you went through that path and moved through that path. Because I feel like people need to understand that one decision doesn't mean you have to do that the rest of your life, right? So uh, talk to us about like how you got into that initial business, maybe even a little bit about how you transitioned from that business before you starting this new one. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean where people feel like there's a certain loyalty and I consider myself a very loyal person that like when you've made a commitment, you need to stick with it. And so my Goldilocks approach was definitely a bit of a departure from how I typically work. And it really comes from like the, the notion of like, if this is not good, there are other jobs out there like change while scary is not the end of the world. So let's take that sort of bull by the horns and make the change happen. So my first business was actually never my day job. It was a sort of side hustle endeavor. It was a national dance event. So dancers were flying from all over the country. So it was a one-time annual event. It had, a, I think, a pretty substantial budget. $20,000 is what we, we ran it on. But it was probably never going to be like my whole income. And it was a fun project more so. And like practice with like getting a business license and managing the, the finances of a business and, and from, from the highest levels. And I left that project because I started my own business and I needed all of my energy into actually making my living happen. And that was this business that yeah uh, that, that this, this self-employment did. okay <laughs> great 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 so you but you did have that experience of kind of I, I'm going to say testing it out right trying yeah. trying it out and being the sole person responsible for a business endeavor and then turning that into a full time business yeah yeah it was actually a partnership with my best friend so I wasn't the only person in charge but it was like I had always supported business operations from an employee standpoint. And so being sort of the leadership and in order for the financial success of the business, I needed to know everything that was going on and have faith that everything was going to work out, which was a new position for me to be in. You know, I feel like director level, CEO level sort of people might have a similar feeling, but I had not had that position. And so, yeah, it was a great chance to really get my hands wrapped around the whole business. Got it. 
Got it. Great. And now how long have you been in business as a coach? I have been coaching for seven years now. Great. So during that time, what are some of the challenges that you face either, you know, as you started your business or maybe as you've had to shift as your business has grown and evolved? Yeah, it's been a journey. Seven years is a long time. I remember. So like I said, I have a lot of experience and knowledge, familial knowledge. I don't know. Like I was brought up with a woman who was an entrepreneur. So like I have stories and understanding of like how that works. So I got into business knowing that there was going to be like an ebb and flow, that there would be low times, there'd be high times, that it isn't consistent, right? That's what I think one of the things that concerns people when they get into business for themselves is they're like, but it's not a steady paycheck. And it's like, yeah, it's not. And so I went in fully understanding that. And then as time progressed, like each month as stuff was dipping and peaking and dipping and peaking, I was like, Ah, what is going on? And cognitively, I knew what was going on, but it was sort of that felt sense of like, whoa, this is really a roller coaster ride. And so getting to live that as opposed to like know about it or read about it was such a different experience. And it's completely surmountable, right? Like trend is the upwards, stuff dips and, and swells. And that's part of how it works. And you get to have control and influence over those. It doesn't always appear that way, but you have a lot more control than say being at a job where they lay you off. Right. Yeah. And I I think one of the, I guess the challenges slash myths, right. Around entrepreneurship and being self-employed of that lack of consistency or that perceived lack of security and the truth is in this day and age, there's no security, even if you have a job. Yeah, exactly. So I would rather be able to change course and pivot if I see my clients drying up, right? Rather than just be like, oh, and now you don't have a job, go find a new one. That's ground zero. Like I'm always watching a number decline and being like, what's going on? Hold on, how do we course correct this thing? And I think that's, I mean, I've now lived through, my business has lived through a pandemic, which, you know, really could have been terrible. And it actually wasn't the crisis that it could have been I think the biggest crisis in the history of my business was actually after the 2016 elections, because I think particularly in the Pacific Northwest that trends quite liberal, we were all like, what just happened? I don't understand. Right. And so everything just sort of stopped myself included, like, oh God, how do we navigate this seemingly new world? And I hit a point where I think it was like February of 2017 that I looked at my finances. And I was like, Oh God, how am I going to pay my office rent this month? Mm. And like, I've been in business a minute, right? Like this was the (laughs) first time in like, since like the first six months of my business that I was like, ah, I can't pay myself anything. Hold on. What? I can't even, how am I paying my rent? So that was my big crisis. And I was like, Holy crap. And then I buckled back down, got my head back in the game and the business bounced back. So I knew going into the pandemic that keep your head up, keep aware of what's going on, stay the course. And when something shifts, shift. So when the world started opening back up, you know, I was like, okay, I'll meet with my clients over Zoom. If they want to have me, I will be there and just keep doing the thing that I'm doing in whatever format works. I like it. (laughs) Now, when you think back over your time in business, what are some of the achievements that you're most proud of? Yeah, achievements I'm most proud of. I mean, I think keeping the business alive through a pandemic is pretty notable. (laughs) 
Agreed. <laughs> I don't know how much, I mean, a lot of that is like keeping a level head. I think in terms of actions that I've actually had to do something about, I feel like one of the things I'm really strong at is building connections and being discerning about opportunities when they come about. So like I teach with a local community college and they sort of knocked on my door, but I had the space and the bandwidth to reply to them and be like, yeah, I think I could teach a class for you. This is what I'm thinking and have sort of a series of meetings to understand what they needed and what I could offer and actually make that happen. I love it. And, you know, I think that speaks to you being able to impact a lot of others, right? So this goes beyond just your coaching clients, but actually, you know, to your broader community. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm all about like helping and like being of service to people. And so I'm always interested in anything that can contribute. I'm involved in in a number of nonprofit endeavors that I'm a volunteer or I'm participating in an organization in some way, not because I think it's going to benefit my business. Like it's not Mm -hmm. the chamber of commerce, which would make good sense, but also that I don't know that there needs to be more commerce in the world. Like that's not where my heart is. So I do the stuff that my heart's really involved in. And it gets you interacting with different people. You start seeing connections. You build these relationships. A relationship is not transactional. I think sometimes the world of commerce makes us want to think of it as transactional, but it's really not. And when you invest in people by being there with them, that's how you get, you know, sort of a thriving groundswell under your business. Right. I would agree. And I think if more of us take that as a perspective, like it helps everyone grow, right? You know, we always talking about not being in competition, but really in collaboration yeah. with others. Because when you collaborate, the pie just gets bigger, right? Um, yeah. I hate the myth of competition. Yeah. Like I can't serve everybody. So I need every other business coach on the planet to be like with me in this. <laughs> Right. I, and I, I think that's what people get. You hear people getting their heads around like, well, somebody's already doing that. Yes. But you bring your own special flavor to it. You bring something to the industry or the community. So, you know, why not join hands, link hands, link arms and just create something better for the audience that you're working with? Yeah. Yeah. Like no matter how much there's somebody else already doing that, your voice is unique and the world needs it. I I truly, truly believe that. That's one of my core principles is that in order for society to function, we need everybody to show up in their full uniqueness so that we can be the rich society that will survive as the human race. And if we are shrinking ourselves or putting each other down, that's not how we achieve that goal. Like that's, that's not helping that happen. Right, right, exactly. So Maggie, talk to us a bit about for those particularly small business owners that you work with, what are some of the ways that you help them really unlock their full potential to go from, yeah, I have a business and I kind of make some money to know this is this is something that actually can support my life. So my folks are typically pretty passion driven. So it's like, if this could be a business, it would be fantastic. And okay. like, it, can, it can. So I actually work with people when they 
haven't even gotten their first client. They're like, okay. I don't know if I can get a client at this. And I'm like, cool, let's find out. I think there's so many stories in business of business ideas that shouldn't have worked. So the real proof is in the pudding. So like, let's go out there and see if we can get you a client. And then once we get one client, cool, we have the most basic level of proof of concept. Let's get you another one. And from there, it typically snowballs. It's like, oh, now I've got two. Now I've got four. Now I've got five, six, seven. Here we go, right? Now it's working. Now we're having to have the conversation of how do I turn away business or how do I balance? Like I've got so many clients, I'm not doing my bookkeeping. Uh Mm Uh-oh, what do we do now, right? And that's part of the journey. And it's definitely a balancing act that you get to learn and navigate. I think it's pretty fun. Typically, it lets my clients and myself do the thing we really love doing, unimpeded by a boss. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. Do what you love doing, unimpeded by a boss. And then you're there to really help them overcome probably, you know, either roadblocks, mindset challenges, or even some of, I, I would assume you help them navigate the administrative piece, like the actual business infrastructure piece so that they can do what they love without being, I guess, burdened by, quote unquote, creating a business. Yeah, yeah. I definitely blend like the coaching world of like blocks and mindset and things like that with more of like a business consulting side where people are like, where do I get a business license? What is bookkeeping? Because most people have never interacted with bookkeeping. Where do I find a bookkeeper? Cool, here, I've got some resources for you. And also the skills of like sales and marketing, because if you're a mental health therapist, you love talking to people about their feelings, not selling them on your services. You've probably not had to do a lot of that in the past or talking about what you do or writing a website about it. So I help people navigate that process give them a structure, a framework, coach them through that. Yes. So that they can do the thing they really love. I love it. What are some of the, we talked a little bit about, you know, working with passionate folks who are not necessarily sure they can get a client, right? What are some of the other challenges that, you know, your clients come to you with around creating their businesses, going out and being self-employed for real? Like what are, what are some of the challenges that they typically come to you for help with? Yeah, the blank page of the website is a frequent one. They also usually have like the whole spectrum of questions. So sometimes I become first person to turn to because they're like, I don't know if I need a lawyer or an accountant or a web designer or a name five other expensive Mm -hmm. professionals. And I'm like, we can figure that out together. And I can probably show you how to do it yourself because I'm a pretty DIY type person. Or we could decide like, no, really, this is not a good use of your time. Let's go hire a professional to do that. So that's part of it is that blank slate. Another big question people come to me with is just all of the unknowns. Like it's the, I don't know what I don't know question. So they're really looking for someone to be a guide, which is fair, right? We don't know what we don't know. And I love that. I feel like in every one of my group coaching sessions, somebody asks that question and I'm like, we're putting a pin in that because... I don't know what you know. So how do I know what you don't know? We're going to try to navigate this. You're going to learn a bunch and we will probably hit on all the stuff you don't know. <laughs> right. And so what what is your advice for folks who are looking for coaches or trying to get good business advice? There's a lot of advice out there. So how do folks really discern 
what is good advice or really knowing who to trust? What is your advice for helping folks get good advice? Good advice. Yeah, that's the $24 million question. How to get good advice. So, I mean, I think one of the things that makes the advice I offer have a bit more backing to it is that I see clients every week for an extended period of time, three months minimum. And I've been working with clients for years. So if I gave you some advice and then it didn't work, I'm going to see you in a week. I'm going to be like, how'd that advice go? And you're going to say, it didn't work. And I'm going to be there in the aftermath being like, fascinating. That didn't work. Okay, cool. Let's try another thing, right? Let's find something that does work. So I'm in it a bit more. I also think even for people not working with me, test the advice against your own knowledge and experience because what works for one person might not work for another. Like I love to pick on the coaches out there who are like, you know, you got to have a strong morning routine and get up at 4 a.m. and run a mile and then have a smoothie for breakfast. And I'm over here at night owl being like, I'm never going to do, like I know that's worse than a day job. So that advice I wouldn't listen to because it doesn't resonate with my own existence. So check it against yourself. Also, because like there isn't one way of doing business. And if you have a niche, if you have a community of people that you know about that that coach is completely unaware of, you could serve that niche using completely against strategies. Like I think of, I'm based up in Seattle. And so we have sort of a stereotype of the like cranky barista there's like the Starbucks barista who's like really happy to see you in typical customer service. And then there's the coffee shops that are like local and like the good ones where the barista doesn't smile at you and like maybe slightly disdains you and people like it for that. So that's just an example of customer service. Like you could do it the traditional way or you could make a point to not do it that way. Both of these can work. It depends on if you're suiting the needs of the people you're trying to reach. Yeah, I like that because I think you're right. One size doesn't fit all. So I think it's important that, like you said, people gut check against. Does this make sense to me? Because I I think one of the things if you have to, you do have to change, right? In some ways, you do have to try different things and be outside of your comfort zone in some air, in some instances. But if it's something that's just so out of character, it's not going to work because you're not going to be able to sustain it. Yeah, I really believe that a particularly a self-employed business needs to be very custom tailored to you. So in the same way that if you were somebody who had an amputated arm, you wouldn't necessarily have two sleeves on your shirt. Yeah, don't bother making the second sleeve. Like, let's make this actually tailored to you who you are. And in business, that means that advice isn't one size fits all. That like we need to pick and choose the advice that's actually going to work. And sometimes we have to test that, right? Like there's plenty of things where that I've told clients that I've read about, that I've tried, that have or haven't worked, right? Like this is surefire. And then it's like, it doesn't work. Fascinating. So I kind of come at it like a bit of a science experiment, right? Like, oh, that did not work. All right, what can we learn from this? And let's try again. If this is the thing you are meant to do, we are going to find a way. And it's going to involve, because I liked what you said about it's going to challenge you to grow. It does, Mm -hmm. but it's not to grow out of your shape. Like it's not to grow, you know, you don't need to contort yourself. The growth that you end up doing when you launch a business is very much 
facing your own demons. It's very internal. It's like sinking further into yourself and shoring that up. So we don't need to like look everywhere for all the best advice. We need to be very careful and discerning about which advice we're going to take because we need to get deeper into ourselves. Right. And also how you interpret that advice, right? So, you know, a lot of business owners, as they start out, they hear like social media is where it need to be, right? And maybe, and also you being on social media does not look like someone else is being on social media. For you, if you're like, you know what, this is, this is outside of my comfort zone. You know, getting a post or two up is better than trying to figure out like I'm posting every 15 minutes or every 30 minutes or every hour in the hour, which you feel like that is some people's personality. And that's what they do. You don't have to do that. Like, I think taking the advice and taking the tools and the channels that are available to you and making sure one, they make sense for your business and they make sense for who you are and how you're going to engage with things. Because I I truly firmly believe that if you're doing something half-heartedly, then it's not going to work. Yeah, no, half-hearted never works. So yeah, there's so like social media is such a big complex octopus. Pick one tentacle to fight, right? Like pick a channel, (laughs) something that's easy and manageable, not all of them all at once. And yes, I need to be posting every 15 minutes on Twitter and three times a day on Instagram and like whatever rules of thumb you've heard, like, no, 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 downshift that. Like do one well, Right. Expand as you have the capacity to do so. Yeah, exactly. And build up like you where you start is not where you end. And so I'm pretty sure you're working with folks who are passionate about what they do. How do you help them really take a mindful, intentional approach to build to the future that they want? Because they probably, you know, they want to be where they want to be. Right. They want to go from zero to 60 in the next 30 days. How do you really help them get grounded in reality around kind of the building for longevity and sustainability, but also helping them see how like this one thing is going to get them closer to their goal versus trying to take on everything at once, like we just said? Yeah, this is actually the topic of a recent blog article. So because people have a million and five ideas, which is great. It's good. It's That's fertile soil. But yeah, we can't do everything at once. And we do need to be thinking about the future. So so there's sort of two things I think about on this topic. And one is when it comes to pricing, a lot of people would just be thrilled to have, you know, could somebody pay me $50 for this work? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's probably too low of a price. Let's actually like run some numbers and create a price that will serve you when you're full, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're doing something that's time limited, like there's a finite number of clients I can see in a week. So I need to know that my price is going to be a thriving wage when I am full and when I'm a little bit less than full because we cannot be full all the time. So like really framing that not as could I please get a client, but like this is what it needs to be in order to serve me the way it needs to. And then the other thing I think about is particularly when it comes to marketing, because there are so many ideas and strategies out there. I like to pare it down into what I think of as a two-horse team. So you've got a team of horses that are doing your marketing. One is a plow horse, one is a race horse. We put them together and they balance each other out in this beautiful way. So the plow horse is more of an investment in the long term. 
it's the content creation of some sort, it's posting to social media or the blogging or the podcasting, whatever you're doing, that slow, steady contributions over time will net results and it probably won't be tomorrow. And then the racehorse is the stuff that has a much higher ROI. So we're looking at things that involve interfacing with people, people buy from people. So getting in front of people, people you know, people one to two degrees of separation away from you is going to be the most impactful. Like, yes, social media is shiny and all of that. But if we're trying to build a business, if we're trying to build trust in the marketplace, people need to know who you are and trust you. That happens through, if not literally face-to-face, then like a Zoom type or phone call sort of interaction. And so I think having like all of your crazy marketing ideas, like as something where, so the plow horse, you keep going with, that's consistent. The racehorse, you swap out, right? Because the racehorse is going to get tired and you need a fresh racehorse. So that's where you go do like your new ideas, your crazy ideas. You know, let me go see, could I have a TikTok channel? I don't know. Let's go try it for three months. And then if it's successful, great. Maybe we rethink our marketing strategy. And if not, then it's like, oh, that was fun. I now have some TikTok videos. Cool. All right moving on to the next thing, right? So really having a way to capture all of the ideas that you have, but also having something that is consistent and more uh, of an investment in the future. I love that example because that really brings it home. It's like that slow and steady thing that is there constantly every day. Like that's a great reminder, right? So if you think about a plow horse, he's like plowing, you know, a field or whatever, like at the end of the day, now you have this freshly plowed field and there's that sense of accomplishment. And if you're not doing that, then you don't have the ground to sow your seeds, right? And so I love that idea. And then the racehorse is like the exciting, sexy things that you you do for a minute, right? You test it, you run a race and figure it out. And then like, what are we doing again? So I love that idea. Yeah. That's very helpful. That's a very helpful example. Yeah, I love a lot of gardening analogies because I think there's so much in business that you plant a seed and you're like, I don't know if that's going to germinate. And you sort of wait the reasonable amount of time and you're like, well, I guess that didn't work. And then suddenly a tulip bulb pops up over there and you're like, oh, that was a t- that I planted a tulip. It, it takes longer to sprout. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> right, like who knows? And apparently bamboo is one of those, uh, is a plant that it takes like seven years underground for it to break ground. Oh, I did not know that. It's insane. It takes a really, really long time. So you plant this bamboo and you're like, I think this is what happens. People forget they planted bamboo and then all of a sudden like <laughs> it shows up. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's very hard to get rid of. So <laughs> if you think of it like that. Yeah, like, and I've had like, oh my God, a number of times when I've had like a client come to me and be like, yeah, I saw you at, and I'm like, what was that event? Oh, no, I did do it. I forgot. That was like mm, years ago. Okay, cool. Glad that worked. <laughs> right, but you wouldn't know that. I mean, you, you have to wait to see. So yeah. I love this idea of preparing the ground, planting the seeds, leveraging this plow horse who is doing all this. I love, I love this. Great, great analogy. Now I have the, I have that. Now I feel like I'm going to like map out my activities on whether they're plow horse activities or racehorse activities. Yeah. That's what I do with my clients. Like yeah. pick your plow horse, pick your first racehorse. I like and we'll this. go through some racehorse ideas and you can change out your plow horse, right? If it's not serving you, but 
Yeah. And that really those Plowhurst activities, you can whittle down a whole lot of chaos by just saying, you know, it, it's got to be simple enough. You got to be on the back of that plow horse and it's just got to plod along. And if it's more work than that, then it's not a plow horse activity and maybe it could be cut. Right. It doesn't bring in business. Right. But, and then also I'm thinking if you have those things mapped out, those are also possibly things you can delegate because they are repeated processes. Mm -hmm. They are standard things that you're doing. So, okay. This is giving me all kinds of great ideas. I'm glad. I'm glad. (laughs) Thank you for the coaching, Maggie. (laughs) Here's my bill. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) It is my Speaking of your bill, I mean, if you have any programs happening right now, you talked about the group coaching, let us know what you have going on right now and how people can find you. Yeah. So like I said, I do group and one-on-one coaching. I have group coaching start dates like every couple weeks. So if you go to my website, maggiekarshner.com, you can find out more about that. I also, for either one, offer a free 30-minute introductory session. So I want to get an understanding of your business and what, how I can help you achieve your goals. And then that's also a chance for you to get to know me a little bit more and feel out if this is the right fit for you. So that's generally how I work. And you can learn more about it at maggiekarshner.com. Great. We will add that information to the show notes. So before I let you go, there are two questions I ask every guest. So the first one is, what are one or two songs that are on your power playlist and why? One or two songs on my power playlist. So anything by Lizzo, like if I need to get moving and like really, you know, get it done. And then I was just talking this morning with a group about this, that when I need to really focus, there's like a playlist on Spotify called like Coffee House or something. And it's like instrumental music that you'd probably find in a coffee shop. And so I pretend that I'm in a coffee shop and I sit in my chair back there with my laptop and I'm like, I'm working in a coffee shop with my little Zen music. And those are sort of my two music directions of the moment. (laughs) Great. And last question, what is a book that you would recommend that has helped you thrive in business? Ooh, good question. Anything by Daniel Pink which is technically a business writer. But I, the first book of his that I wrote, that I read was Drive, which is all about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and how to like harness that, which also, if you're a manager of any sort, is super important to understand that like bribing people is effective in the short term, but not the long term. And then I use it in my work because how do I motivate myself, right? Like how does a self-employed person help the inertia of motivation get going. And I love that book for all of that type of learning. Great. Thank you for sharing. I was just, I think he's written a new book, or at least there was an article today uh, that I was reading about creating your failure resume. And so he's advising that you look back on, you know, where are some of the things that didn't go according to plan? And actually you learn a lot about yourself from where you've had those challenges. So I was just reading that article and deciding if I was going to, if I was going to do that exercise. (laughs) I mean, that's, oh, I have not read his latest book, so I don't know. But I mean, to me, that speaks to like the Goldilocks strategy, right? Where it's like, you got to embrace the like, that did not work. Cool. Trying something else. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. We don't spend that much time on it, right? So we think about our accomplishments and did we meet our goals or not? But I, I think it speaks to our level of risk-taking and innovativeness. Are we doing things that we're failing at? Yeah, you have to fail like what a thousand times before you can succeed. Right. So, so adages about that. So I'm curious. I'll let you know if I do the exercise and how it goes. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I will definitely check out Drive. So I will add that to my reading list. Well, Maggie, it has been great talking with you today. Again, I've learned a lot. I have a lot to think about. And so I just appreciate you being here with us today. Yeah, thanks again for having me. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. If you like this episode, share it with a friend and then join the conversation on social media and let us know what you learned or what resonated for you. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Until next week, keep thriving. Thank you.